right, so last week in 1 Peter, we started a new section in the letter that really makes up the main body, like the main argument that Peter wants to flesh out in this letter. He spent the first sections talking about what it means to be a Christian, how that identity um, is rooted in Jesus, what that means for your activity in a basic sense. But now he's launching into the main concern that he has for the people that he's writing to, these elect exiles. And it's answering this question, how should God's people live in a right relationship with unbelievers in a pagan society? We've translated that into our own world. Like, how are you supposed to live as a Christian in a non-Christian school? How are you supposed to live as a Christian in relationship with unbelievers in your neighborhood, wherever you live, work, or play? How are you supposed to relate to people who are not believers? And that's what Peter is unpacking here in this letter. We saw kind of the introduction to his answer last week, where he said the priority for you, as you start thinking about how you should interact with unbelievers, the priority for you is for you to focus on your own battle with sin. Don't start by talking about how those people are bad, how those people are messed up, how they affirm this, they think this way. Start by talking about your own battle to be more holy and to be more like Jesus. So the first priority for you as you consider how to live as a Christian in a non-Christian world, in a world where you don't belong, that priority has to be your own sanctification, your own desire to be more and more like Jesus. See, a lot of us, we think our biggest problems in the world are other people. She talks about me like this. He bullies me like that. My parents just don't understand. The problem is out there. And Peter says, the problem, the biggest problem you got is you. And that's the, the priority for you. When you start thinking of how you should live in the world, your biggest problem is your battle with sin. So Peter kind of fleshed that out. And then he also said, for you to maintain your good conduct amongst un unbelievers because that's actually going to be how you um, entrance them into salvation. God is going to save unbelievers by how you act. Something about the way you live will point people to the living truth of who Jesus is and how he changes lives. So that was kind of Peter's introductory answer to, to this question. And Peter is going to continue this focus on emphasizing our behavior as Christians in the next few sections. He's going to talk about how we should live in a way that reflects Jesus in the social orders of life. And specifically, that's the government. How should we relate to the government or to authority? And the second thing is how should we relate to our families, to that societal structure? So he talks about wives and husbands in chapter 3. So tonight, though, we're just going to focus on authority and what that means for us as Christians, okay? So this is the passage for tonight, starting in verse 13, chapter 2. It's a big section that we're going to go through, but we'll work, we'll work through it. We've got till 9 p.m., right? So I can preach for like two hours. <laughs> or dodgeball, whichever happens first. Here we go. Verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by the emperor to punish those who do evil and to those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, 
not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, the church. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit, what credit is it to you if when you sin, you are beaten for it and you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Jesus committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, when he was spit on, when he was mocked, when he was crucified, murdered, and killed, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. God, we are your children here this evening, seeking to follow in the footsteps of Jesus as he's left an example for us as we, as how we are to live as Christians. And Lord, we know that that's not simply a high ethical standard we're supposed to imitate. But Lord, it is something that you are pleased to work in our hearts if we surrender to you. So God, as we're called to a high task this evening, to submit to authority, to do something that we don't want to do, that combats our sinful nature, Lord, I pray that you would work, that you would cause hearts in here to surrender to you. And it's only in that. Only by that power that we know we can do this. So God, you be present and at work here. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at the main command of that big section. The main command is this. Be subject to earthly authority. Be subject or submit yourself to earthly authority. The first thing I want to do is make sure we're putting this in context with Peter's time, right? The Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us necessarily. Peter wrote this to a specific people living in a specific time in a certain geography, and he was writing to them at their, at their time, and he's talking about their authority structures, the emperor and these governors. And listen, the only thing I want to note about this is he's calling them to be good citizens in a land where it's much harder for them to be good citizens than it is for us. Like they, Peter was calling them to be subject to people that possibly wanted to persecute them and kill them for being Jesus followers. We are, are privileged to live in a nation that gives us the freedom to worship God. And so while this command is very specific to the people at that time, we should note that Peter is calling them to do something that's much harder for them than it is for us. So we have every reason in the world that we should be able to obey this command. 
Because the people that Peter are writing, Peter's writing to, this would have been very, very difficult. Much more difficult than we, than uh, for us. Does that make sense? Like, we should be able to obey this command because the people Peter are writing to should be able to obey this command. It was much harder for them. But this is the main thing that he wants to get across. Peter wants them to subject themselves to authority, to submit. And we're going to flesh out kind of the full rounded um, command as we go, go forward, okay? Why should we submit to authority? Peter says a few things. Number one, it is God's will. It is God's will. Specifically, as you're working through this passage, Peter says that it's God's will. It's his, he is pleased that Christians would subject to authority and that it is by that that God's people will represent God well. So basically, it's an indirect kind of teaching about the sovereignty of God. It's something that Paul teaches in Romans 13. God is completely sovereign. He is um, the one authority over the universe. And it says that he has ordained in his sovereignty for the earthly authorities in your life to be there. So when you rebel against the authorities that God has placed in your earthly life, Paul goes as far to say that you're rebelling against God. So as you rebel against your parents, as you rebel against your teachers, as you do not subject to um, the police or any other authority that's in your life, what, what the writers of Scripture are saying is you are going against God's will. God's will is for you to subject and to submit to the pictures of authority in your life. Now, there are exceptions to this that we'll talk about. But again, we just let's be clear. This is the general rule. Okay, this is where we should err. We should err on the side of submitting to authority. So Christians are to submit to earthly authority because it is within the will of God and his sovereign control of the universe. So the earthly authorities in your life are there by the sovereign work of God. God is, has put, placed those authorities in your life, and it's his will that you submit to them, especially your parents. Like a, a lot of students in the room, right? I want you guys to think about your parents. Like you didn't get to choose your parents. Your parents didn't necessarily get to choose you, but they are your authority, whether you like it or not. And God has called you by his will for you to submit to them, not because they deserve it, not because they're right, not because they're smart or cool or hip or whatever. It's because they're your parents, and God has put them there. So that's, that's what I want you guys to keep in the back of your mind. We can translate this whole appeal to government, and government authorities to also your parents. So there's a second reason that Peter gives. He says it will silence the ignorance of foolish people. This sounds like a very like, heavy-handed insult. You know, it's like, I'm going to silence, like, <laughs> I'm going to silence the ignorance of fools with my submission to authority. It's just a very weird way of saying it, but what is Peter getting at here? And this is what I think. I think that Peter is presenting an argument, talking about how Christians' submission to the government does not compromise their submission to King Jesus. Right? Imagine this. The Jesus movement explodes. Jesus is raised from the dead, and then he sends his spirit to enliven people who follow him, and the church is multiplying, and they, their message is, we follow a new king. We're part of a new kingdom. And that sounds like, to like, you know, worldly leaders, like, 
oh, their allegiance to us is compromised. Like they're, they're following a new king. They're following a different kingdom. And so maybe this is one of the arguments that is proposed against Christians at that time, that they follow a different king. They don't follow the emperor. They don't follow governors. And what Peter is saying is, as you submit to the authorities in the world, as you submit to the emperor and the governors, you'll silence that foolish, ignorant argument that they're making against you as Christians. So um, more kind of apt to us, more relevant to us, is this is the principle that Peter talked about earlier. It's like when people are slandering you, making up lies about you, calling you bigoted as a Christian, the best thing you can do is not simply go back and forth in the argument. The best thing for you to do is maintain your good conduct among them. Continue to live in a way that reflects Jesus. And that will silence their ignorant, foolish arguments. If you want to show people who Jesus is, you're not going to lecture them there. You're going to love them there. So continue to prioritize your good conduct among them, and you'll silence their foolish, ignorant arguments. Okay? So that's another reason we should submit to authority. It gives us a good reputation that lines us up with Jesus. Thirdly, why should you submit to authority? Because as a slave to God, you are free to be a servant to everyone. So don't pass over Peter's words too quickly. In verse 16, he starts the verse by saying, live as a free person. And then on the back end of that, he says, live as servants of God. And that, that word servant is the Greek word doulos. It was denoting slaves or bond servants. So he says, live as a free person, live as a bond servant, live as a slave. Like, which one is it? Are you to live as a free person? Or are you to live as a slave, as a servant? What I think Peter's talking about is the nature that, of Christian freedom that you have. Like, we talk about freedom a lot, right? We're in America. Well, America, free, freedom, America, right? We talk about freedom a lot. Christians talk about freedom a lot. What are we talking about, though? Just freedom. We're just free. But what are we free from? What are we freed up to? And a lot of the popular understandings of freedom that we have in America is this, this heightened individualism. When we say we're free... A lot of times what we mean is, I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't have to give anyone else the reins in my life. I can control my life. That's what it means to be completely free. Christian freedom is not like that. Christian freedom is about you, you turning your life over to a new master. It's about being freed from sin and the power of self. It's saying, I can't save myself. I can't be a self-savior. I need God. That's what true freedom is in the Christian life. So this, this whole idea of the popular notion of freedom, that you can be your own authority and not have to bow down to any other authorities in life. Like, you just be me and be who I want to be. Like, that's the most freeing thing ever. Jesus says, no, that's not the most freeing thing ever. The most freeing thing for you is to have freedom from the power of sin that is crushing you, the, the delusion that you can save yourself, and be turned over to the lordship of Jesus. That is the most freeing thing for you. So Christian freedom is about being freed from the control and power of sin and self 
so that you can be a slave to God. Paul uses that language. Peter is using that language. And therefore, be a servant of all. It's a, it's an, it's a very interesting argument. It's kind of an irony. It says, by you being truly free as a Christian, this actually enables you to serve everybody. Because you recognize God is the one in control. He is the one who is supreme over the whole universe. You subject yourself to him. You submit to him. He's your master. And, and since he's in control of everything, you can serve everyone. You can have a position of service and humility with everyone. So that's what Peter's saying. is like If you're truly operating in Christian freedom, if you know that you serve God, then you're free to serve the earthly authorities that God has put in your life. Practically for you guys, like, if you follow after God, you can trust that you obeying your parents is a good thing. It's profitable to you. You listening to your teachers, being respectful of your teachers, is a good thing for you because God is your master. Same thing with your coaches or any other positions of authority that God has placed in your life. So, um, just to kind of wrap up all these reasons, right? Those were the three reasons. Notice that all of the reasons that are listed here of why you should submit to authority are on you. The number one thing hindering you from submitting to authority is you. It's your heart. It's that we're stubborn people. Listen, I, I've, you know, I've got a two-year-old and a one-year-old, and it's very easy to discern, to notice. They're stubborn by birth. We are all born with the inclination to, to govern ourselves. It's like, Hudson, it's time to go to bed. No. Like, who do you think you are? You're two years old. You're still going in diapers, man. Like, right? We're all born with this natural, innate desire to govern ourselves. We think that's best. And that's not. That's the biggest thing that's hindering us from from submitting to authority is our own selfish, bad desires, delusional desires. So um, the reasons that Peter gives reminds us of this. You don't submit to authority because their commands make sense to you. You do not submit to authority because they promise to reward you. That's not why you should obey your parents. Again, the focus is on your behavior, not on others. So you do not submit to authority necessarily because they make all the right decisions, they make all the right choices, and do all the right things. And this leads us to the second question that we have. When should we submit to authority? And Peter's answer is this. We should submit to authority even when it's harsh and even while you are suffering unjustly. Even while you're suffering unjustly. So as we continue through the passage, we see that Peter now turns his attention to servants or slaves. And these were the household members of the family community that would help with, you know, the land and, and everything. And basically what Peter is doing is he's saying, if you want to um, work on your submission, if you want to subject yourself well to authority, you have to start in the home. You have to start at home. So he begins with the servants and the slaves, and then he moves to wives and husbands. So this is the thing that we should recognize, is how you live at home matters. Like when we're talking about sub submitting ourselves to authority and being good citizens or whatnot, we shouldn't necessarily just think about how we vote 
and how we're, we're good uh, citizens in terms of like the big society that we're a part of as a nation. You should think of how you're a good family member, how you are submitting to the authority of your household. So I would say that your household, your family, is actually like the locker room or the rehearsal room for how you live out in the world. What Peter is saying is that if Christians want to submit well to institutions and governments and those authorities, this should begin in your house. For you all, this, this is specific to your parents, okay? So here's a little inside secret that you want to know. Like, your, your parents are not perfect. They're not always right. I can say this, and a lot of nod, like, yeah, Taylor, keep going. Yes, that's exactly true. But here's the, I can say that because I'm a parent. But we do not obey our parents. We do not respect authorities because they're perfect or always right. We respect our parents. We obey our parents. We submit to them because they are a position of authority that God has placed over us. And you may think that that's the most uncool thing in the world. You may think that, wow, it's so much cooler to be a rebel. It's so much cooler to be that kid that shows his parents up, who shows how they're wrong, who proves how they're just idiots. I'm telling you, you're just living your life towards a destination of destruction, and you're going to lack the true satisfaction that you're really working at in that. I promise you, it's not going to lead to a good place. You're a bad king. You're a bad lord. You're a bad ruler. We all are. That's the story of the gospel. So what I'm saying is, if you can't practice well at home with your parents who love you, who care for you, you're not going to be able to do well with your future bosses, your future professors who don't give a rip about you and are still telling you to do things and you're expected to follow. So practice at home. How you live at home matters. Subject yourself to those authorities. Begin the submission to authority at home. And then it will continue to translate into your schools and to your rec teams and your colleges and your jobs. Okay? So uh, let's return to the question, how should we submit to authority? Um, or when should we submit to authority? We should submit to authority even when it's harsh. And we'll just roll through these. But look, this is admitting. Peter's like, like, I'm not telling you just to follow the nice, happy people that support you all the time. It's hard to follow authority, but we are called to do it even when it's harsh. So your response to authority should not change because of the authority's harshness. Your parents may try to be gentle and considerate all the time, but sometimes they're going to be harsh because sometimes you need them to be harsh. So Peter says, continue to subject yourselves to them. And he says to do this with all respect, not the begrudging, you know, frustrated attitude of doing it, but to do it with respect. Secondly, he says, uh, we are to submit to authority even while we are suffering unjustly. So the authority's harshness may, may even lead to the point where you're suffering and you're suffering for no justifiable reason. It's not a justifiable reason that you're suffering. But Peter says you should continue to submit to authority. Doing the right thing may mean that you will suffer. 
Guys, we have to come with grips, to grips with that. If you're only going to do things in life that are easy and that lead you away from suffering, you're going to find yourself in uh, a place outside of God's will, basically. Because God has willed for you to suffer because we have a Savior and a Lord that has suffered. So uh, you are called to continue to endure even when the authority is leading you to suffer unjustly. Now, I'm hesitant to say that we should always, in every circumstance, submit to authority, okay? I'm not saying no matter what, in every single circumstance, you submit to authority. The person who wrote this letter, Peter, we just soaked through Acts chapter 5, where Peter is standing before the, the council, the, the, the Pharisees who have told him to stop preaching the gospel. And Peter responds this way. The guy who wrote this letter, he says, It is more important that we obey God rather than man. So listen, there's an important principle here. We should not submit to authorities when they lead us to disregard God's authority. Okay? That, that is an exception here. Peter would say that's an exception. He himself in the book of Acts said this is an exception. You do not always submit to authority. When, when, the, when the authority is leading you to disregard God's ultimate authority, that is not good. You don't submit to that. But I think we want to make sure we're emphasizing what Peter wants to emphasize here. Okay? I don't want to spend this whole time unpacking the general exceptions to the rule. I want to emphasize what Peter wants to emphasize. And if we're all honest in here, we all need to err more on the side of submitting than finding reasons not to submit. We're all much worse at rebelling than we are at trying to faithfully live under God's authority and someone who's suppressing us. Okay? So this leads to the last question. How should we submit to authority? How should you do it? We're going to quickly... um, Hit these last three. First thing is with all respect. As we already mentioned, we should submit with respect. This means that your submission should not be disgruntled. It shouldn't be flavored with frustration. It should be a respectful reaction in light of who they are as an authority figure. So when your parents or authority figures tell you to do something respectfully submit to that. Not simply just submit, but do it with respect. We've all failed in that. But how you do things matter. The tone with which you answer, the the manner in which you do it, it matters. Do it with respect. Secondly, being mindful of God. Uh, There's there's a great way that um, Peter uses the whole fact that as you consider God and as he's on your mind, this whole perspective will rest on you. And we're not going to get onto that. But the best way for you to submit to authority is by being mindful of God. Remind yourself of God's authority and that you serve him. And out of that will flow the fact that you're supposed to, to serve other people and um, submit to authority. So as you're continually reorienting your life, as you're placing all of your life under the lordship of Jesus, you'll be better equipped to submit to other authority figures in your life. Okay, so being, be mindful of God. 
Lastly, and most important, it's following the example of Jesus. Listen, the reason that Peter expects this of Christians and calls Christians to act in this way is because of Peter's understanding of Jesus. Jesus, though he was Lord of the universe, though he had a rightful heir to everything, although every knee should be bowing to him, he stooped down in the likeness of man, a creature he created, became like dirt, got spit on, mocked, so that he could serve those people. And as he served, ultimately he sacrificed his life. He subjected himself to death so that we could be called his children. So this is nothing less, all of this that we've talked about, this is nothing less than Christians acting like Jesus. This is what Peter's doing. He's saying, like, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is how you should act, because this is how Jesus acted. This is what he did. And that's the good news. The good news is that we have a Savior who submitted himself to authority. And and as he did that, it was for our salvation. And so as people who are brought into the family of God, that should be the same story we're living out. And... um, this is, the, this is the question we have to ask ourselves. Does my response to authority reflect the character of Jesus? Does the way I respond to my parents reflect Jesus? I mean, this is so similar to all the questions we ask every week. But it's like, does your life truly testify to Jesus? Is that what you're all about?